When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 52nd episode of Kiwi and the Bird Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we are going to go into an in-depth discussion about the enchanting and noble Onyx and Ivory by Mindy Arnett. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Here's how our book discussions work. We're going to try to fan in all of our thoughts and feelings for Onyx and Ivory in just one hour. If you like this episode, and if you want to support our podcast, just click on the link in the episode description. Now, as we discuss everything about Onyx and Ivory, and I mean everything, here is your one and only... Spoiler, spoiler alert! Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? <sighs> Taylor, how is it that I never remember to do this? The question is, are you going to do something horsey? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I asked an alien to like replicate what they think a horse <laughs> would sound like without ever hearing one. <laughs> Oh my goodness, by making a horse sound, you became a horse girl. No! Your transformation is complete. <laughs> no! It was a trick the whole time. And now, on to the show. So, whenever we start the discussion episodes, we're like, you know what? We're going to talk about the thing we're most excited about, which every single time proves to be the romance of the story. Are we lacking in something in our lives? It, well, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. not even doubting that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is totally supplementing what we don't have. The hole in our lives? The hole in our hearts. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's talk about the romance in Onyx and Ivory with Kate and Corwin. Um, I have thoughts. What are your thoughts? Corwin, bro. <laughs> it's like watching, it was like watching Medieval Bachelorette. Oh, where the guy says the wrong thing to the bachelorette. And you're like, ooh, <laughs> he's not getting a rose tonight. And let me tell you, Corwin did that. And he asked Kate to be his paramour. I was like, bro, you're not even married yet. And yeah, I was like, bro, presumptuous. And also, I'm like, guys, this is like your first kiss since being back. You know, since being reconnected. Mm-hmm. And this guy decides to bring this up now. As though it's like, it's like a reward. (laughs) It's like a reward. (laughs) It's like a reward. And in that moment, I'm not going to lie. I was like, I don't know if I can be behind this. Literally that one moment I was like, "Mm, I don't know about Corwin as the love interest. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, can we bring in Dal? Or is it Dale? I think it's Dal because his name is Dallin. Oh, yeah, it's Dal. Yeah. But I liked him with Signe. I did like him with Signe. That was cute. I wanted her to be with Bonner at the beginning. <gasps> oh, they had good chemistry. And then she immediately brother zoned him. She, wow. Literally, like, once he was on screen, she slapped the brother zone. Yeah, completely. And I was like, you guys have something adorable. What the frick? Actually, I kind of get it, though, because as a reader, I immediately ship something unless I'm told to stop. <laughs> And so I'm kind of glad that the author told me to stop and, like, don't even think of that as an option. 
that was nice. Except for she kind of also did that when Corwin called, like, asked Kate to be her paramour. Yeah, he he paramour zoned the relationship. I mean, he also was very presumptuous in that he thought that she was ready to get down and I think you say funky. I do say down and funky. Yes. Because she was wearing her moon belt, which, please, where can I get one? Not for, like, sexy times, but just for, like, I don't want to be in my period times. Yeah, when that detail was mentioned, I was like, you know what? Can we invest in this a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, he was very presumptuous with that, and I was like, okay, keep it in your pants. And and maybe keep your thoughts in your head. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing with Kate and Corin... Is that from the beginning, you know, I was interested because it's that angst, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, you basically threw me out of your kingdom, killed my father, and then now you're back in my life and I'm so supposed to just accept you now, you know, like you want me to kind of dive back into a friendship. And so I liked having that emotional toll. Yes, because I could really feel it as a reader. But with that, I felt like. Kate should have been mad at Corwin longer, given their history. I was like, he did nothing as your father was executed. Yeah. Like, girl, that should be like cock block number one. (laughs) Well, for me, I was like, okay, I kind of get the father's execution because Corwin caught her father killing his dad. Like, that's pretty convincing. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) But for me, with him, I was like, you didn't do anything to protect her. That too. From basically being exiled. Mm-hmm. And you never sought her out. You never cared. You never sent a message. You never tried to find her. And then then they do reconnect. But then he just has, like, one little peace offering while they're having a little break from horse riding. And then everything's kind of all good. No, I feel like her father's execution should have been a way bigger wedge in their relationship. Yes. I don't know if it's just me and if I hold on to grudges or something. I don't know what. But I was like, you should be mad at this man. (laughs) I wish there was more push and pull. Because with the childhood friends to lovers, like, I think it was done really well in the beginning. Because when he comes in and, like, we kind of, like, get, like, Kate's mind of, oh, like, this is, like, she, she, I think in the beginning she mentions, like, oh, the like, I knew the royal family, but there's one person in particular I don't want to see, you know, like, it creates that angst and, like, their first meeting Right, where they see each other's eyes, her moon belt falls out. Like, that was peak angst. Loved it. Yes, and the fact that he pretended not to know her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I don't I don't care about just this writer. So good. Like, that that one scene, I was like, I'm getting excited for this romance. Because I love that push and pull. I love the tension. But I, it wasn't carried out throughout the story. It, like, it kind of fizzled out throughout the middle. And it kind of picked back up. Kind of. But then it just kind of plateaued. And so with childhood friends to lovers, when you have a situation with these ones where it's like, yes, we were very close as children. Like, you were my first kiss and everything. But then, like, traumatic events happened. Your mother died. My father was executed. Your Your dad almost died. (laughs) Like, these things, like, tearing them apart. Like, that should keep them apart. But it's like you want their past to, like, come back in moments of vulnerability. Right? So it's that, like, it's it's the push and then you pull back. And it's the push, and then you pull back. That's what you want in childhood friends to lovers. I feel like the romance would have been strengthened if not for Corwin saying the Paramore thing. Because that shut things down pretty hard for me. Mm, yeah. I was like, how is he going to make up for this? <laughs> how? <laughs> Just how? 
But I mean, I just wanted more scenes like when they first met, you know? Just like, um, I kind of hate you, but not, like not actually, because if you were ever in danger, like I would want to see, cause, cause that, it was that kind of thing, right? They first see each other. They're kind of like tense and then Corwin gets injured. You know, Drake basically like poisons him. He's on near death. Damsel in distress. <laughs> Kate's like the only one who can save him. And they have that moment, right? I wanted more of those where it's like, they're forced to have this vulnerability or like they're in a state where oh, this is okay because outside of this one moment, it wouldn't be. Yeah. To kind of show that their hate is more circumstantial than emotional. Mm-hmm. And like you said about the the pulling and the like the going back and forth, I, I do like that in childhood friends to lovers where you do get to see them kind of falling into their old routine mm-hmm. and everything feels comfortable and safe, but then they realize their reality and they back off. Mm-hmm. And... I felt like, too, that Corin could have done more to help Kate, especially when he brings her back to his kingdom. Because there is that scene where he does try to reinstate Kate at the stables, kind of get her a job there to help her assimilate back into court life. But then pretty immediately, Kate's father's reputation of almost assassinating the king kind of spoil things. Treason. And, and Corin offers Kate the position of training his horses instead. Which, sure, that was nice. But I felt like I felt like he could have gone the extra mile for her and kind of realized within himself, like, I'm bringing her back to basically a torturous place where she's going to be tormented every second by her traitor Kate reputation. If I could help that, I could give her good standing. I could, you know, even if it was something like, ooh, this would be so angsty. If he's like, I could give her good standing by arranging a marriage with, like, a nobleman or something like that where he's trying to fixate her more at court that she'd be more untouchable, then I feel like that would generate those feelings where maybe I could later excuse the paramour comment because it would kind of be more contextualized. But I just don't feel like Corwin did enough to show his love. And so it made me question it. I <clears throat> I agree, but I would take it a different route. Because Corwin throughout the book is basically like, I'm not worthy of ruling. Like, I should not be king. I am just the second prince kind of thing. And I feel like that's the only thing that kept him from helping. Mm. I wish there were more physical things that were actually, like, stopping him from helping Kate, from helping his other people. Because, like, once Dal was in trouble, right, he was like, I have authority. I can do this. I'm a prince. Like, he just had to get out of his own head kind of thing. So I wish there was, like, I wish the League, like, the the Magists, right? I, I wish that they, since they have so much power over this kingdom, I wish they had more power over Corwin. Mm. Right? And they were like, no, she's a traitor. Like, her father tried to kill the king. Like, she's not welcome here. Mm. And kind of, like, have that, like, that pushback against Corwin. So he, like, actually cannot. Like, he's in a difficult position in which that he can't help Kate. So, like, more of a political conflict. Yeah, just more like pushing down on Corwin rather other than just his mental state. Yeah, because then I think that's a great idea because then that would make him more understandable where maybe you could see he has the yearning to help, but he can't, you know, because of the circumstances. Yeah, and I, I understand like his reasoning behind his mental state, but it was just throughout the entire story where I was like, no, I want to see that in action. I want to see why you can't do that. I don't just want to read about it passively in your thoughts. 
yeah, like I want you to try and then maybe fail the first few times. So that makes you kind of back off and you kind of feel like you can't change things. But then you slowly realize at the end that you can take charge, that you're a prince and that you can you can be a king. Yeah. And I like when the whole paramour thing. Okay, okay, okay. The kiss itself, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'm down. I was like, this. Where, where, where are we going? I was like, blow out the candle. <laughs> <laughs> but then that paramour thing, and then in my head, like if I was king, I'd be like, but you could be king. Yep. And in that, then I wouldn't have to be a paramour. You wouldn't have to marry for freaking political affiliation. And even as a prince, I mean, a prince has quite the standing. And I know it's more advantageous, obviously, for a prince to engage in like a political alliance. But also, like Kate said, you have more power than you know. You just are accepting the bare minimum. Yeah, he's also the second son. Which I know this isn't like in this story because it's just like whoever, whichever heir is worthy takes the throne instead of like in terms of order of birth. Yeah. But even then, like traditionally, the second son doesn't have to worry about a political affiliation or like an advantageous marriage because he's the second son. Yeah. You know, he can basically do whatever he wants. And I was like, you like you disappeared for two years. Like, you can do that, but you can't marry Kate. Yeah. Like, or you can take on a certain level of responsibility, but then with Kate, it's like, no, you would have to be reduced down to this position. Mm-hmm. And to even for him to think that she'd even want that position. <laughs> that, ooh. Oh, oh. oh, I was literally like, you're off the island. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I mean, I will say, Corwin, I did like his ability to apologize. Yeah. Because he was pretty good at recognizing that he was at fault, and he would sincerely apologize. And I was like, that's a good trait in a man. Yeah, in any person. In any person. But I also just felt like because of that, because of just not enough push and pull between them, because I didn't feel like Corwin did enough in his chapters I always felt that Kate felt more for Corin than he did for her, even though he yeah. mentioned her all the time. I do feel like that. And like you said, with Kate, I do feel like she was a bit more of a proactive character because, which is kind of ironic because you'd think that it would be the person with power and high standing that would kind of feel like the more productive character. But Kate, I felt like kept things moving. Mm-hmm. But Corin did feel like he slowed things a little bit down where I do think that he he had the position where he could have kept pace with Kate. But like you said, it did seem like Kate loved Corin more than Corin loved Kate. Yeah, or there was one thing that I kind of was like wishing while I was reading the story is that I like it when like the characters are held back by things, right? So Kate oftentimes was held back with her love for Corin because of the secret that she held that she, of her powers of being a wilder. And I kind of wish that Corin had like a similar thing where he had a secret of his own to keep from Kate. Mm. And I mean, like, he kind of did. He kind of had it. And that, like, the information of her father, but it wasn't, like, some of this, like, overbearing secret that would, like, change their complete relation, Or it didn't feel like it would change their relationship. Well, and it was also exposed <clears throat> pretty early on. That, too. Um, but I kind of, like, in the whole, like, childhood friends to lovers and how they have all this history together, but now they have all these secrets I could be holding them back. And, you know, they could be, like, Oh, the push into, oh, like, I feel things for you. We're in this romantic moment. But, oh, wait, I have the secret. And, like, it kind of, like, 
is half revealed in this moment, which makes me pull back. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, not even, like, just having, like, the political things, just having the secrets, just having all of that. Just, like, that would have been, just, like, so angsty and good. And, oof, I would have loved it. It could have just amplified it a little bit more. Yeah. Which I think the overall thing with this romance is that it did have the foundation. It did have the startings of the angst, like you said, that beginning scene rocked it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just more so kind of the desire that, I think you said this in the book recommendation, but that it would be pushed more, that they're like that it could just be enhanced a little bit more. Almost like the romance kind of takes on a little bit more of a priority in the story. Not too much to overshadow the other plot lines, but that it's just given a little bit more importance. Yeah, I felt like the romance was also just like a little bit separated from everything. I kind of wish the situations in the book would have put them in situations where they could be in those romantic moments. Yes. Now, one of my favorite parts of that, the story, was the side characters. What did you think about them? I wanted to see the side characters more. Yes! Like, Signe, I was like, okay, this girl is the coolest, most mysterious, most, like keeps to her moral standings and can keep a secret and is a loyal person. I was like, we need more on her. I, she was, but honestly, she was my favorite character. Ooh. I really liked just like one, you just see her. She's like, oh, she's just going to be the best friend. But then she has this like mystery to her. She's from the Esh Islands, right? She has the secret to the black power that she won't tell anyone. And whenever someone asks, she comes up with like ridiculous stories, right? She, she has this like very playful manner to her. But, like, deep inside, like, she's very, like, loyal and she's very, like, disciplined. And, like, I love to see that juxtaposition in her character. And we don't get to see her very often, but it was really well presented. Yes, she definitely had the intrigue of a character, which I think is super important in this story. Of course, makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I do wish that we saw more of Signe and Kate's relationship. You know, how did they become friends? Yeah. And and it doesn't necessarily have to go into their past, but I more so want to see how they comfort each other and how they're there for each other in the present. Yeah, because I think we do get a lot of Corwin and Dow. Like, we we really get to see, like, their relationship and, like, the foundations of it and how close they are and, like, the trust between them. Like, Mm -hmm. we're shown that as readers, but we don't really get to see that with Kate and any of her friends. Yeah, and I think on the friendship side that it is stronger with Tom Bonner. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you do kind of get the sense that Kate and him do have, like, this brother-sister relationship. He has this father he cares for. You know, Kate is actively worried about him throughout the story because she's worried he's going to reveal his secret about, about about being a wilder. And so you do kind of see those constant concerns and how she's thinking about him. And you do see how, like, they tickle each other and how they're super playful. And, and so you can kind of sense a bond is there. But I just, I want to see more Signe. I was like, she's so awesome. Yeah, when Kate kind of stole the the red tunic thing, I forgot what it's called, from Signe that had all the rubies on it when she went to the brothel. Oh, yes. I don't forgot what it's called. Cloak? No, it started with a D. Dose? No. I'm, something. <laughs> it's a, it was a red tunic of some sort. Like, I kind of wanted more of a confrontation. Like, I wanted to see the confrontation between Kate and Signe. Because obviously that meant a lot to her. And so I I was waiting to see the confrontation, but we just kind of like hear about it as it happened in the past. Like we don't actually get to see the scene itself. 
And I and while I did love Signe's reaction because that is so her character, and I loved the way the like the author like thought of that. I wish I had seen it in real time. Yeah, I think most things for me was probably just seeing it in real time, mm-hmm. seeing these characters in real time. But I did like their foundations. I did like that they were distinct, that they were separate from each other. I like how Dao was kind of, he was kind of like the stereotypical, you know, best friend of the prince who's charming. Mm-hmm. But then he did have the background of what happened with him and Korik during the two years that Korik. Corwin. Oh, oh gosh, guys, I'm so sorry. I was so scared of this. Sorry. This is just because their names are similar. I'm so sorry. I literally told KB before I record that I'm so scared. I think uh, I've done it too. I think I've called him Korik. It's oh okay. Gosh, I'm so sorry. It's like Adam <laughs> and Aaron. <laughs> like, they're too similar. Um, With Corin and Dal's past with the two years that they were gone and that they were kind of soldiers in battle together, etc., where that kind of gave Dal more of an edge and a history and a personality. It kind of rounded him out more past being kind of like this charming heartbreaker. And so I like to see that. And also Dal and Signe, I thought, were really cute too. Yes. Okay, first, I like that each side character had a purpose in the story. Yeah. You do not see that very often. No. But every single side character had a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, love it. Living for it. Like, purpose has power. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but I, honestly, by like the half, like halfway, maybe three quarters through the book, I was reading more for the romance between Signe and Dal than I was for the main couple. Especially when Signe was taken. Oh my gosh. No, when we then when they were going to Thornswall, is that what it's called? I think so. Thornswall. Um, and you know they were kind of like divvying out jobs, and Dal was like, Signe wanted to be out with. Kate but then Dal was like no like I want you near me yeah because it was like the first moment that we see him as vulnerable because of what's happening to his family and like up until now he's been like the jokester the flirty one and like in this one moment where he's vulnerable like he reaches out to her oh it was good so good so, so good. good yeah I also love the fact that it's, it was Dal and Signe you know both of these are like the flirty like very seductive like best friends but that are also different from each other. Yes. Right? So they have that in, in common. But, like, I feel like Sydney is much more secretive than Dallas. And so to have them come together, you know, obviously you would think that they would because they're the sarcastic best friends, all that. But to, like, to see, like, the, the juxtaposition and the similarity in their characters and just kind of seeing them in the background and seeing, like, their little moments, like, I loved it. Yeah. That, that I felt like they had the chemistry. Like you said, they had similarities, but they were different. And that it was just, it, I liked hearing about them yes. throughout the story. Oh gosh. When she got taken and when she was hurt, like I wanted to see Dal's reaction to that. No, literally I was like, bring this man in here and let him murder, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wanted to see his anger at like the scar on her face and like, the crushed foot and everything. But I also like the fact that, like, he has scars on his face and now she does too at the end of the book. Yes. Like, it's just, it's, but I wanted to see his reaction. But then he showed her his scars, which he's kept hidden the whole time. Yes. And it's like, you know, we're still beautiful to each other. Like, it was, it was wonderful. Honestly, I'm living for them. Yeah, literally. But also, Bonner made me sad. Oh my goodness, with his dad. I was like, Kate. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Okay, Kate, the God King has a knife to his throat. Like, maybe don't 
push it. <laughs> I know. I when she was like there, she's like, oh well, he's not gonna kill Signe, and I'm the only one here. And I'm like, you weren't the only one captured. It could be Tom. It could be his father. It could be your brother. Yeah. Actually, you have a lot of people here. You have a lot to lose. Yeah. <laughs> And then to hear, to see how Tom kind of became hardened by it and a little bit more merciless, a little bit more like, okay, whatever it takes, you know? Like, we don't get to see a lot of him in the end. But, like, you can feel, like, the the hardening, the edge. You can see it. But, I mean, I, it also could be because, I mean, um, what's his face? The God King? Yeah. Oh, minister of something. Ren. Something. We're going to call him the God King. The God King, <laughs> the nameless one. Um, I think he was going to get Bonner because he knew that he was close to Kate, but then his father was like, no, take me instead. Don't take my son. And my heart, my heart. Like, I don't know why, but I think that the dynamic I felt the most was the one between Bonner and his father. Yeah. And I was like, and it kind of was like, a, a, it's a contrast to like Kate and her father. And so I was like, Oh, that that well, that one that one hit. Though honestly, I was surprised by the bru- brutality in the end, just because it was so mundane in the beginning with the whole horse girl thing. And in the end, I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're in some like oh my gosh, people be dying." <laughs> I was like, "This isn't a horse girl movie." <laughs> it went to horror girl movie exactly. Now, let's talk about some of our favorite moments in this book. I know what you're going to say, and not just because you wrote it down on the computer. What did I say? Magic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really did like the magic aspect of this book. I mean, it really ties well with the the title, like the Onyx and Ivory, right? The whole thing with the two brothers, you know, the the way that the king is chosen. Um, The Uror. Uror. I said you are... Eurora, but I wouldn't trust me. I pronounce everything wrong. You roar, you roar, error. I'm gonna call it error. <laughs> <laughs> but the, basically, the magical sign, the magical animal that is half white and half black, that signifies that the trial should start. Right. So that's like the onyx and the ivory. But onyx and ivory are gemstones, which is what is used in the magic. Right. And I was like, that is a clever title. I like that title. We love a clever title. It was a clever. I was like, "Thank you, thank you for doing that." And I like, I liked like the whole mythology behind it, where they do kind of like they have goddess and goddesses, but they're not like really like super mentioned. But it's like the whole thing of like the tradition of the black and white with the brothers and how the black and white kind of um, transitions to Corwin and his politics and learning that not everything is black and white and his and this kind of journey of learning. I, like, I can't just go by the rules. I have to go by my feelings. Like, I think that the symbolism there was amazingly done. Like, I loved it. I liked thinking about it. It was great. Like, I liked the whole thing of, like, Magists versus Wilders and that they were one people at one time, but then they were separated just because of their alliances, right? Just because of, like, how they were separated and how they're actually not that different. I like how, like, there's there's a separation of... The Wilders versus, like, the Magists who are who are with, who just want to, like, unite everyone. And then, like, the League itself, which is just, like, this completely different faction and how they're all different. Like, all that coming to, like, I really did like the way that this 
the magic all worked, especially with like the gemstones and how that came into play and how you could imbue your magic into those. And like the drakes, I was like, obviously I was like, oh, well that has to do with the magic somehow. And like, there's a mystery there. Yeah. I do feel like the magic was a really strong part in the story, given that it was so well explained and that the information wasn't dumped all at once. Mm -hmm. We learned alongside Kate, we learned alongside uh, Corwin and kind of how their understanding, like how their understanding broadened of the magic. I think probably my favorite part of the story was kind of, was was the arcs, was, you know, Corrin learning responsibility, learning that he can be worthy to become king, kind of changing from that typical second prince to I actually have the potential and actually I kind of have the right to to prove myself to prove that I can't be a good king for the people and to kind of recognize that my brother, even though we've suffered the same loss, has gone too much to an extreme where I need to step up to help our people. And I did like with Kate where the ending kind of leaves her, where she's Ooh, kind yes. of like this all-powerful... Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Magic! <laughs> and to see her potential there where they're kind of... Corin and Kate are kind of becoming leaders in their own right in a different way and how they're linked together because in order to succeed in the way they want to, they have to be with each other, essentially. And so I did like the arcs of where they started and when they ended, you know, kind of the traitor to the powerful one, the prince to the king, you know, kind of determining their futures that way. And I did, uh, my favorite scene was definitely the first encounter between yes. Kate and Corwin, because I loved the the angst. The angst was just so good. Yeah, it's like it hurts, but <laughs> give me more. You know, <laughs> it's like you're embarrassed for her, but you're like you can't stop looking at it. And it's like I'm angry for her too, but also like where could this go? <laughs> but also like jump down and kiss her. <laughs> yeah, like like reconnect. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do feel like there are a lot of strong things in this story, and I really do that love that you love the magic because. I don't know. I just love seeing that you're so passionate about it. I do get passionate about things. I just, okay, okay, okay. But also, like, at the end, right? At the end when Kate, like, kind of goes into a fury and kills Vicus for the comments that she made about her father and, like, what she did to her father and having, like, the vial of his blood. Yes. I was like, yes, I love this because, right, Um, the whole thing with Wilders is, like, the, the conflict with them is that they have these abilities, but it's whether or not they use them is how... Um, how they use them? Kind of, like, yeah, how they use them, right? It's like they might or they might not do terrible damage with them. And, and like, the, there's one side that's, like, because of the might, like, we have to kill them all. And the other side's, like, but it's a choice, and you can't condemn someone before they make a choice, right? And so I love in the end how Corwin is kind of, like, debating this in his head. Right. And then Kate kind of comes in and she does kill Vicus and she has that power and she now has it. And it takes her like it. She hesitated before when she used her power on Edwin and his men and she could have killed them and she thought about it, but she didn't. It was a choice. Mm -hmm. And how that kind of goes back to like the black and white. Right. And then the gray area, whether or not you're going to choose one or the other. 
right? Like all of it, just like the magic aspect just all comes <laughs> together really well. It's because like the magic aspect has the intrigue. It has the conflict. It has the turmoil. It has, it, it personifies the themes in the story. Yes. Yeah. And so it's so satisfying to read. It was so, like at the end, I was literally like, oh my gosh, this isn't a horse girl book. This, wow. This is magic. It's just also just like the cover with like, I like the cover with like the three swords because it's like symbolizing like Corwin's decision. Like I love symbolism, guys. I do wish the trials were pushed a lot more though. I wish, yeah. I think the trials could have been introduced a little sooner mm-hmm. and that they could have been a little bit more prevalent because it is they didn't quite seem so important to me. I don't know if it's right? because it feel, felt like we breezed through them. We absolutely did. Yeah, or like maybe I also wanted to see more between the conflict between Edwin and Corwin. Yes! Yeah. Because I was like, these guys, like, I could kind of get the sense of why they hated each other. You know, they kind of had a little bit of different beliefs, but I wanted to feel it more. I wanted more in-person interaction. I wanted Edwin to say, hey, you can't come back and be king even when you've just been gone for years. You know, you're not worthy of being, like, I wanted more, more. Conflict. Yeah. No, I completely agree. More sibling rivalry. Yeah, so it's like the court politic aspect. That could absolutely could have been pushed more, and that could have been pushed more with Edwin and Cork having more interactions with each other that the reader, us readers could see. But I also think like making the trials more important would also be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Just because like these trials also kind of make Cork think about himself. We keep saying Cork. <laughs> Corwin! <laughs> sorry, it's just because the names are similar, guys. I'm so sorry. We're not meaning to. Core. Freaking core. Corwin. Yeah. I'm going to call him core. Core might. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to call him by his name. <laughs> okay, if I said Corwick, they have similar vibes too, okay? It, it's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um... I do wish, too, that there have been more of, like, a tug-of-war between Corwin and Edwin of them constantly trying to undermine the other person through politics. I wish, no, I, I'd wish, no, I like that Corwin didn't do that to Edwin. Oh. I wish Edwin had done that more to Corwin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, with the trials, it was, like, Corwin is, like, his place of, like, figuring out who he is and, like, his fears and everything. So that kind of, like, I feel like that could have been really good for his arc of, like, discovering that he does have power and he does have the power to change this kingdom. Yeah, like, after each trial, if he's sitting down, thinking through it, if he's talking to it, uh, talking about it to someone. I actually thought that he would kind of explain what happened in the trials with Kate and that that would kind of bond them because she could kind of help him to question things that he needs to question especially since she knows his history with the error with the with the magical sign from the gods you know she knows his history and how he's he was waiting for it yeah i felt like that could have been a moment where he could have leaned on her more and also to just question it within himself more that way would just make it seem like it's on his mind more it seems like he'd complete a trial and then it'd kind of be done with yeah and i liked the trials yeah I was like, this is interesting AF. Go more into it. <laughs> Become king. Was it the magic? Maybe. <laughs> I ship you in the magic. Thank you. <laughs> well, we had 
had we had we had potentials for a lot of villains, but there was one major one at the end. Kind of a surprise villain. A, a plot twist. A plot twisty villain. Yes. What did you think about that? I'm not gonna lie. So the villain I'm assuming that you're referring to is the God King. Yes. The God King came too much out of nowhere for me. Oh. Because actually I do appreciate because we said in our last discussion that if you introduce a villain suddenly that they need to be brutal. And the God King was that. Mm-hmm. He was ruthless. But at the same time, I I think his I think the God King could have been amplified had there kind of been whispers about him. Hmm. You know, kind of bringing up the past. Kind of like a sense of fear still lingering in the halls of the castle. It, I I don't I don't think it needed to be obvious, but just a little something that would kind of add to the effect that there's a bigger force at play. Oh, so maybe like when the trials first came up, maybe like the mention of the trial that never came to be because of what the God King did in the past. Yes. Oh. You know, like a failed trial. Like maybe Corwin fe- fears not getting the Uror because of a failed trial in the past. You know, something like that where I feel like I'd give a little background in history where you could still have the surprise of the villain, but you still have the buildup of just something bigger. Because throughout the story, I felt like we were just... It was just too close to the characters. Like, I didn't get the sense that there was this overlooming threat. Mm. Which, and I know that God King is kind of working secretly. So I understand that he's not wanting to display power suddenly. Like, I know he's kind of slowly taking over things, but I wanted to feel that slow encroachment. But what about you? What did you think about the God King? I do I do think that he could have been one introduced earlier in his position of, I think he was like a master of something. Yeah. Actually, when I first heard his name, I was like, this guy's the bad guy. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it is about him. It's because, oh, it's because he was siding with Corwin. I, it was his gold eyes for me. Oh, re- oh, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But I was like, as soon as he sided with Corwin, I was like, he's bad. Like, <laughs> Corwin you- having an ally? No. <laughs> he's the villain. <laughs> I, I will say, I do wish he was introduced earlier. I did like what the author did in terms of like him coming when, coming in times when Corwin needed something. Mm. I think that was nice. And the fact that like he was the only one that had information about the nameless one. Yes. Right. And how he was in a position where he could pass that off of, oh yeah, I just read it somewhere. But it could also be like, there might be something else lurking here. Like, I am him. Yes. <laughs> So I did, I did like that aspect, right? But I do agree with you in the fact that it could have felt a bit more threatening and it could have been, I don't know, I kind of wanted to feel more threatened by him before the reveal. Yes. Like maybe in his interactions with Corwin, maybe just like something slightly off, you know? Or I, or I would have preferred if they had introduced him earlier and then the Grandmaster Store, you know, the guy in, in charge of the League, like, we'd, we would see him as the villain this entire time. Yeah. Because I don't think we, like, really saw Store as a villain until, like, the last third of the book. I wish that had been more. So, like, it'd kind of be like, oh, he's kind of like the big bad guy because obviously, like, he's in League. And, yes, he has done bad things. And so it, it's it's safe to assume that he could be this big bad person. Yeah. Um, But then we kind of figure that it's not he's being puppeteered by the God King. And I think with that, I mean, with Edwin, too, because we kind of expect him to be kind of like a side villain. Yeah. Because he wants the throne. 
and he has his hatred with his brother. And I feel like they could have played with Edwin a little bit more too. Yeah, me too. I felt, I actually was surprised. I thought there was kind of going to be, I thought Kate and Edwin were going to have more interactions. Mm -hmm. I thought that maybe he'd kind of try to taunt Kate or flirt with Kate to kind of get at Corwin. And then maybe when he discovers she's actually a wilder, then that taunting goes to hate. And, you know, he kind of goes to the extreme then. That'd be good. Yeah. And so then it's it's more personal because Edwin and Kate, I actually, do they interact? I know they have the past kiss in their past. Yes. But I don't think they interact really presently in the story. They don't. And so I felt like that could have been played up too for the jealousy aspect and for the hatred at the end. Um. And I feel like we could have gotten more on Edwin, too. Because he does, Edwin does kind of have villain vibes, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, where it's not like he's necessarily bad, but he's, his ideals have been twisted. You know, he's kind of been manipulated. I wish we kind of got more of that sense and kind of got to know him more. So, again, it could build up to this fact that, oh, the God King. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, they totally could have played Edwin and Store a lot more to, like, this big bad reveal of, oh, it's this guy. Like it's kind of like yes, like Edwin could be a villain, and yes, Stork could be a villain. Like those, those are definitely options. And maybe like in the sequel, they would become bigger threats. But then it's like, oh, this overlooming threat that like throughout this entire story, this is what we're gonna have to defeat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that feeling. It's kind of like the mini mini villains that actually help you to defeat the bigger villain. Yeah, it's like the levels in a video game. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I'm intrigued by the villain. I do like that he is the nameless one, and I like the whole aspect of, like, oh, he killed, like, this magic being from the gods, which is how he got his power, and it was twisted, because that's not what's supposed to happen. I was like, yes. Love that. The mythology. Like, I, I like the mythology. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm intrigued as to where this is going to go. Mm, me too. Sequel. Sequel. <sighs> so, Kami, whether or not there is a sequel to this book, which there is. I'm pretty sure it's called Shadow and Flame, but let me double check real fast. Shadow and Flame. Shadow and Flame. In British accent. Yeah, so the sequel to this uh, book is called Shadow and Flame. What do you think could or will happen in this book? I think that... Um, Kate is going to have a lot more conflict within her with her evolving power and how she uses that. And that will definitely go into the whole conflict of whether or not Wilder should be persecuted. Corwin will, I think, will take more authority and will try to. And in doing that, he will realize that, yes, because he is a king, because he wants to do all these things, he can't be with Kate. Mm, right? Like, the end, like, he's doing this for his people and kind of like as an end result to be king so he can marry Kate without any issues. But, like, the journey there will be difficult, and he'll realize that he can't do it right now. Mm. Um, I think we'll definitely figure out more about Signe. Bonner will have kind of, like, I think he'll have a 180 in terms of character. Well, we'll only see, like, the, like, gentle giant, like, every once in a while. Um, I think that Kate's mother might come more into play with the politics. Because she was mentioned, mm-hmm. but she was, we don't, we never really got to see her, 
right? And so, like, this book was a lot, a lot about Kate's father, so I think maybe, like, her mother will come into play in the sequel. Um, I think Edwin will become a bigger threat. And I want to see more Dallin Signy. Always more Dallin Signy. Yes. I think, yeah, I think like you said, I think the more romantic conflicts will be that Kate's duty to her people and Corwin's to his will kind of divide them. They'll kind of butt heads in what they think is right or what they should do, which will divide them for now, but it's what will unite them later. You know, in the classic, you will be my queen fashion. (laughs) In my head, I've kind of been debating, though, because I do think Edwin will play a bigger part, but I'm more so debating how he'll play a bigger part, because the only way we can get to know Edwin in the second book is if my mind is thinking if, like, Kate's captured by him. Well, the third trial still has to happen. Oh, well, there's that, but the I think the third trial will kind of be more like a mental glimpse, mm. more so than a physical one between Corwin and Edwin but I do think that like Kate will either like surrender herself to Edwin's forces and then thus kind of get to know him and see that he is being puppeteered by the nameless one or she might get captured or like a loved one will get kidnapped and so she has to barter for their freedom and thus she sacrifices hers or something like that and then her powers are used for bad Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I feel like mm. it could go potentially in that direction, and I wonder too if Edwin would try to get the nameless one to kill the Uromark, because that would dissolve Corwin's chances of becoming king. Oh, I wonder if Edwin would do it himself. Oh, maybe, maybe Edwin will kind of like evolve into the new nameless yeah, one. I yeah, could. I could see that. Yeah, but yeah, we need more Dal and Signe. ASAP. All right, now for the scary sound. Why why was it so much louder this time? I don't know, but that was really loud. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It was scarier than normal because it was loud. I was like, it came into my ears, and I think I literally made a sound. I think think you went, ah! That's a sad. <laughs> Sorry for blowing everyone out right there. Not my intention. We'll fix it. It's okay. We'll keep that for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> this episode will come out in how ha- during Halloween, so that we can scare you. Exactly. We'll just change the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are now going to be playing. How would you survive? We have four minutes to f- pose four survival scenarios that pertain to Onyx and Ivory. So question one, if you were a rider in the relay, what would be your strategy to ensure you make it to safety before the sun goes down? I'd be so freaking screwed. One, I couldn't be a rider because I've never ridden a freaking horse. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Two, animals don't tend to like me. It could be their innate ability to judge a person's character. (laughs) But, like, that horse and I would not, would probably not get along. Um, two, I don't have Kate's ability to speak to animals. So, if the, the, the horse was also lame, I would die because I can't run. So, your survival 
plan would be that you don't have one. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I think I would have a hard time with time management because I really overestimate when the sun will go down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's like, it's going down right now. It's like, it, it should be like eight o'clock. And then I look outside, the sun isn't down and it's three in the afternoon. So I think I'd run into trouble there. Mm. And I would sacrifice myself at any point for the horse to live and escape. So you would. Yeah. So I think my route would just be the martyr route. Even if it's not necessary, it's still daylight. I'm like, go horse, (laughs) go leave me behind (laughs) for no reason. Honestly, the whole relay rider thing really gave me Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time vibes. I have not played that, but I like the name. Yeah, you get a horse. Oh, <laughs> that's the only factor that makes it so. But then you have to like keep riding the horse through like different parts of like the video game. Oh, so like that's where it comes in also a little bit. Horse video game girl. <laughs> if you were a wilder, how would you hide your powers? I would just never use them. Freaking yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I look, I know there's a temptation to use your powers, but if it was life or death, I could, I would just not use my powers. I don't think it'd be that hard. No. Yeah. Like, just do the Incredibles where you like, you just pretend to be normal. Yeah. Like or, someone in danger, ignore them. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, the prince is dying and I used to have a relationship with him. Too bad. That was in the past. <laughs> I've moved on. <laughs> it's called... Being healthy. <laughs> new hair, new me. <laughs> it was a clean break. Yeah. This is this is like an issue in like so many things. Like Avatar The Last Airbender, you can't use your powers. This one, you can't use your powers. Incredibles. Superheroes are stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just don't use them. If you're going to be killed, don't use them. And then once the world comes where you can, then you can. Then it's like, great. I'm not going to die now. Yeah. <laughs> Now question three, if the Euro triers determined whether you or your sibling would be king, what would you do to win? Let me tell you right now, if I was against my sibling, I would do anything in my power to take them down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, this could go a few routes, but I like that it was like the the vengeance route. Because see, I'm basing this completely off of the fact that when I play games with my sisters, we get very competitive. And I think that would transfer to something like this, in which one of us would have to win. Like, um, do we love each other? That be damned. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, so what would I do to win? Um, I would know these people my entire life, so I would exploit their weaknesses. <laughs> you know, my sister and I do get competitive at times. We don't like to be on opposite teams because of that. Mm. But if it was something like this, where it was between me and her to have the throne, I'd be like, you know what? We'd be in pretty good hands with Kenna. So I'd be like, you go, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'll even put the crown on your head. (laughs) I mean, you don't even have to die. And I don't even have to die. You just have to lose. That's very close to dying (laughs) with a sibling. (laughs) But I'd be like, you know what? Queen Kenna. 
I could get behind it. I could never. I could never live under my sister's rule. I would. She would have me banished. (laughs) (laughs) You would have to either exile me or kill me. Yes, literally. Now, could you ever forgive your best friend or lover slash lover, a.k.a. lover, for allowing your father's execution and letting you flee the kingdom? You know, (laughs) (laughs) when it's said like that, (laughs) it would be hard to forgive someone, naturally. You know, with Corwin, I don't blame him for the execution. Again, when your father's caught in the act of killing the king, there's repercussions, (laughs) you know. But the exile was rough. Like, letting her leave the kingdom, go off her own, that was rough. If someone did that to me, I would be a little hurt. (laughs) (laughs) And so I don't know if I could forgive that person. Well, actually, though, it kind of depends on the person because if it was you who had exiled me and if you were my lover, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I probably deserve it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but what about you? Um, I hold grudges way too much. I'm too petty. Like, that person would be dead to me. <laughs> I don't care if we were friends. I don't care if we had a first kiss. You're gone. Like, I think there's something in me that doesn't like to give people second chances. And it might be my trust issues. But, like, like if that happened to me, like, a super traumatic thing happened. And, like, the person, one of the people I trusted the most, like, betrayed me. Well, not betrayed, but just kind of, like, let it happen. I'm, like, this is in terms of, like, a romantic scenario. Scenario. Like, I would literally be, like, shut up all feelings down and if they came back into my life i'd be like get out i'd be like i won't kill you but i won't help you good luck with those day drakes punk (laughs) not shouldn't have let me go now i'm letting you go (laughs) (laughs) exactly because i'm petty and i hold grudges (laughs) is this why we have romantic problems (laughs) i mean it could it might be that might be the hole in our hearts (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Onyx and Ivory by Mindy Arnett. We hope that you will join us on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens.